Good day, fellow consciousness explorers. Welcome to the Universal Citizen Media VIP broadcast, where we discuss everything in the healing, spiritual, and wellness spectrum. My name is Dr. David Ellis, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Amir Jahangiri, and we will be discussing the science of applied spirituality. Whether you're new on the path or an adept, there is something here for everyone. So sit back, relax, and join us as we explore the real questions which you, the students of self-development, want answered. This is David once again with another UCM VIP series. I am here with a very dear friend of mine. Her name is Holly Lotus. Uh, prior to coming on, Holly and I were having a very interesting conversation about what we're going to speak about. And today we're going to be speaking about toxic relationships. We're going to be speaking about how they affect you as a spiritual being, as a person in who's operating in life. And we're going to be speaking about how young ladies growing up in today's world, especially in today's pandemic-filled world, how toxic relationships and how they are impacting these young ladies' lives. So if you are a parent and you have uh, young children who are female and identify as female, please be on this um, broadcast and please uh, let us talk about it. Okay, so the first thing I am going to do is I'm going to introduce Holly Lotus and how we met. Holly and I met at an event in British Columbia. She was there for the same event as I was, um, probably for different reasons, and and, um, we immediately clicked. And to this day, I still love Holly. Holly is one of the best people that I have met. Holly, I'm going to let you introduce yourself to the audience. Hi, everybody. I'm Holly Lotus, as David said. And um, I help single moms to overcome toxic relationship patterns and create their like create their ideal relationship and find partners that are supportive to their life. Um, David mentioned that we're going to talk today about teenage girls. And that's because when I work with these teen, these moms, like I realize in my own life and history is like a lot of our patterns start when we're kids, we see how our parents grow up, um, as our parent, and then we see the relationships that they're in, and we just kind of repeat the pattern. And if there's any kind of trauma involved in our childhood, that compounds itself into stories in our life, and the patterns just keep repeating, and we create toxic relationships and toxic patterns that don't serve us. And then when you come into this world of awakening, it's kind of like, I don't even know who I am. How do I create this relationship? How did I get to where I am? And so this is what I love to help um, single moms, their daughters, their kids to recognize and then learn how to overcome. So Holly's being bashful there. Since she didn't give you her credentials, I will. Um, Holly's an erotic blueprint coach. That's interesting enough. But she's also a massage therapist. Holly is an access consciousness um, facilitator. She has done accelerated evolution. She's a coach in many different respects. And that's not the half of it. This young lady sitting in front of you has also been in the military. She has been in the military. She has actually 
traveled and been in active situations. So what I want to do right now is I'm probably start with a video to start the conversation. Holly, you up for that? Yes. Okay, so I'm just going to start this video and... Have you ever felt like you're overly reliant on your partners or friends? Do your emotional needs go beyond what seems normal? And are you often called needy or clingy? If these questions ring true to you, it's possible that you're codependent. But what is codependency? It's defined as excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner or friend, one who typically needs a lot of support. Codependency can put a lot of strain on both the relationship and the individuals involved in it. So how can you tell if you are codependent? This video looks at eight signs to watch out for. One, constant reassurance speaking. Do you find yourself constantly asking for people's reassurances? Asking them to tell you they love you a lot or asking if they're mad at you constantly? This sort of constant reassurance seeking can be a sign of codependency. You may seek reassurance due to low self-worth and feeling like your partner is always just about to leave the relationship as you often don't feel you bring anything to the relationship. Two, feeling responsible for problem solving. Do you find yourself feeling it's your duty to solve all of your partner's problems? Not just that you want to help them, but that you need to help them or they might leave. This is another common sign of codependency. It can be particularly damaging as it isn't possible for us to fix everything for someone all the time. And if your self-worth is tied up in this idea, it can set you up for a big fail. Three, you can't say no. Do you struggle to say no to your partner regardless of what they want? Do you worry if you refuse to do something, they'll leave you? This is another classic sign of codependency. People with codependency issues can feel insecure in their relationships and feel like they're very fragile. Therefore, if you have codependency issues, you may feel something like simply saying no to your partner will be enough to ruin the relationship and that they'll leave you. This can be damaging as it's not good for us to ignore our own boundaries for others. Four, you need to avoid conflict. Do you find yourself terrified of conflict arising in your relationship? As mentioned before, do you avoid asserting boundaries as you worry about conflict that might come if you do? As we've said, often people who are codependent worry their relationships aren't strong enough to withstand arguing or conflict, and that if there is any, the other person will leave. This fear can often present itself as trying to strictly control relationships so that no conflict does appear. Are you enjoying this video? Finding it exciting and factual? If so, Okay, I'm just going to pause there for a moment. They brought up some very important points. Having said that, please understand that there are people who control relationships when they know the other is codependent by continually threatening to leave. When people are like that, you call them manipulative or you call them narcissistic. Well, the correct term for that is more of a manipulator more than anything else. But the truth of the matter is a manipulator can be narcissistic but a narcissist is always manipulative. So I'm just going to scroll forward on. So let's just to go. hold on to the relationship. Even if these things may be destructive or dangerous, this sign is very linked to the previous two. 
often arising due to a fear of conflict and a need to hold on to the relationship at all costs. Oh, being cool. It often means you'll ignore your own boundaries and do things you absolutely would not usually do, which is dangerous for many reasons. Six, you only feel valued when you're needed. Do you struggle to feel valued as a person if you're not fixing other people's problems? Do you believe you have very little to add to a relationship if you're not the problem solver? This is yet another sign of codependency. Due to low self-esteem, those with codependency often feel they're only useful to their partners as problem solvers. They feel if they don't fix every little problem their partner has, that they aren't doing enough to help and that they have no value. This stems from their poor self-esteem and can also feed into their insecurity about their relationship. Seven, too concerned with others' feelings and needs. Do you find yourself always putting your partner first, regardless of your own needs? Do you spend a long time preoccupied with your partner's feelings at the expense of your own? If so, it could be another sign of codependency. While concerning yourself with your partner is generally a normal feature of a relationship, with codependency, this concern goes beyond normality. You'll be obsessed with how the other person is feeling due to the need to be needed to feel valued that we just talked about. This often comes at the expense of yourself, a theme that's prominent in a lot of these signs of codependency. And eight, struggling to identify your own needs and emotions. The final sign of codependency links in with the previous one. Do you find that you can't work out what emotion you're feeling or what it is exactly you need? Due to the preoccupation with others and keeping the relationships alive, someone who's codependent may well struggle with actually identifying their own needs and working out their emotions. They become so fixated on their partner, they lose sight on themselves and lose insight into their own needs and wants. This can lead to a whole host of issues, including burnout and not looking after yourself properly. We hope you enjoyed learning about that was from Psych2Go, and they do a lot a series on all spec all parts of the spectrum of um, psychology. And you guys can check them out on YouTube as well. So first things first, um, I want to get into it because between myself and yourself, Holly, we have a lot to say on just about every part of the subject, I would think. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's start with the concept of toxic relationship. How do you identify when a relationship is toxic to you? And we're not just talking about spousal relationships. We could be in fr friendships and uh, another. But most of the times when people refer to the words toxic relationship, they mean romantic relationships. Okay? So identifying toxicity in your relationship. I'm going to let you have the first word here. Let's riff. <laughs> so um, I would say that the first identifying feature of a toxic relationship is that it feels one-sided. One, uh, one partner, one lover, mm -hmm. one friend is putting all the effort into creating the relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I want to just back that up because honestly speaking, that pans out in a lot of the cases. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what that would look like if you are a woman is you're the one who constantly has to like make dates you're the one who constantly has to move forward in life so if you guys are moving in together you're the one looking for the apartment you're the one out there trying to make things happen to 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 create this this bond with your partner if you are a man however 
this would look like you're the one who pays for everything. You're the one who continually initiates sexuality, as an example. And what it, what it eventually breaks down to is that you will hit a wall at some point in time. And when you hit that wall, things become less than pleasant. Yeah, so when you hit that wall, what you're hitting is the wall of resentment that you build from doing it all yourself. <laughs> Correct. The wall of resentment <laughs> you, 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 would have, you, you would have hit. And so when we're talking about toxic relationships, I think a lot of people come into relationships with huge expectations. They come into this relationship thinking, this is the last relationship of my life, right? I'm going to get married and do the thing that, you know, happily right off into the sunset kind of thing. Does that even exist anymore? Um, not in the way that you've described it. <laughs> and it does exist in our mind as a fantastical idea. But Holly, you know half the audience is going to be like, it doesn't exist anymore? What the hell? Right? So we got to bring that down. <laughs> We gotta break that down. Let's go. Okay. So when we enter into a marriage, the idealistic thing is that we're marrying somebody and now all of our needs, emotions, and financial things, they're all dependent on this other person. And we put it all into this fantasy of now I'm with you, we've chosen each other, and this is what we're gonna create the rest of our life. Um honestly. You can create something with someone for the rest of forever, but it's not just the idea and the ease of we got married. So now we have this forever. If you want to have that fantasy, the, the ideal, then there's a lot of work that is required. I'm, I'm hearing people's hearts breaking yes. even as we're speaking all over the internet. Go ahead. <laughs> but what I'm saying is it's not impossible. Mm. It isn't. It's very, very possible. And that's where the thing, like people like me come in, where we support in how do you communicate with your lover? What needs do you have? What needs do they have? What would you like to create in relationship? What do they want to create in relationship? Where are you willing to support each other? And where is it not going to work? Understood. Um, so these are things that we don't, maybe when we're in the idea of marriage, especially sometimes if it's like the first marriage and you know, younger people getting married and it's the first marriage, first serious relationship and we're taking it there. Um, we get this idea that it's, it's this thing that we're doing that's going to last forever. It's a fantasy and we want it to work. And then we don't know how to put in the work, the effort to make it work. And we didn't think that we had to do this effort. We just have the marriage. Mm -hmm. um, and, but you know, so people get smarter on their second marriage. <laughs> Or the third or six. So, okay. This is basically, we're going to circle back to the whole resentment and how things begin to break down. So I'm going to run a scenario here. Um, Sally and Jay, let's call the guy Jay. I was about to say Sally and Jane. Um, but let's say it's a heterosexual um, construct. So Sally and Jay meet at a holistic festival at 18 years old. They're both very hippie. They both meditate, they do yoga, they do everything like that. And, and it's instant spa. Oh, you are my soulmate. We're going to get into soulmates as well. You're my soulmate. They get together and like it's like sex six times a day. They're, they're having more sex than they're eating food. And then it continues. Now, 
at no point in time the Sally asked Jay, so what are your life plans? Because Jay has the man bun, you know, and Sally has the the hair, the flowing with the crystals hanging from her neck. You, you, you get the picture I'm trying to build here. I see. But then life hits like a whole brick because there are bills to be played and, you know, doing a couple of readings, crystal readings or whatever is not going to pay it. And what Jay wants to do is surf because surfing is connecting with nature and connecting with the universe. And, and I'm never going to cut my man bun just to get a job. Heaven forbid that. So Sally begins to get tired of like trying to find money for food, trying to rely on her parents. And he keeps asking his parents for money for food and stuff like that. And they try to move in together. And eventually Sally has to look after herself because let's say they have been having sex frequently. Sally's going to have a scare and then she, reality hits like a brick. What if I was pregnant and I brought a child into the world? Yes. Oh shit. Okay. So yeah. now the, the reality hits like a brick and now Sally has to make movements to for security. Okay. She does. But Jay is about the surfing, okay? And it's about the sex. It's about the surfing, the sex, and just living naturally and organically. Because, you know, if you have a man bun, that's usually an indicator, okay? I can't have a man bun. I must be jealous, okay? <laughs> I'm good, right? So so if you, are, if you have a man bun, um, that's usually an indicator. So eventually, she has to make the effort because she wants their life to, together to be, um, she she's thinking continuity. She's thinking sustainability, right? He's not on that level. And as a result of that, she has to put out effort. She's going to go get the job. She's going to come home. The, the house is going to be in a mess because if you're surfing all day, like, you know, it becomes tiring. It's very draining. And so she's going to have to pick up after him. And she wants to have a child, she just realizes, right? From the scare, she realizes she actually wants to have a child at some point. And she realizes their lives are not sustainable. So she makes effort and she makes effort and she makes effort. And there is no reciprocity. Yes. Okay. So she now has to think this man is the sperm donor. I would like him to be, but yeah, no. Okay. There is th that's as far as it'll go. And she has to reevaluate the relationship and resentment builds. You want to take that story from there, Holly? Yeah. So I want to speak to the first, the first moment when Sally could reevaluate. Mm -hmm. You know, she had this scare, and she's thinking, "Wow, is this man somebody who's going to support a life with me?" Mm -hmm. Is is he even on the same level? Does he want the same things? And instead of having that conversation, because he's the soulmate and she doesn't want to lose him and hear the answers that she doesn't want to hear, she just goes on to fix the problem. So this is one of the signs of the codependency. Like mm -hmm. I can't lose my, my soulmate. So I'm just going to fix it myself because I can do responsibility. I can support him to serve. And maybe she didn't check in with herself of, um, you know, what, what do I need 
in this relationship to feel whole. Mm-hmm. And what do I what what do I need from a man to live my whole life? Do I am I willing to be the support system and allow him to do these things? Is that something that I want? So there was like no checking in with Sally in herself. And why, ladies, why don't we check in with what we want? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to continue this story because this is not the end of the story. Mm-mm. So Sally gets a job at the local, I don't know, she's, she, she has a little bit of computer skills. So she, get hired, she gets hired at this law office where there is Dashing Dave. Yes, I did. I went there. I did use my name, right? So Dashing Dave, <laughs> Dashing Dave, who's who's the lawyer, right? And Dashing Dave is a little bit different. He like he like bathes and stuff. Um, yeah, he has a job. He knows where he's going with his life. He's very very focused, and he represents something that is missing in her life right now: the stability and the focus that and the security as well and we're going to get go there because we have two women on both sides of the fence we have the bitter women who have been burnt and we have the red pill manosphere idiots who are angry at women and have a misogynistic streak so okay she dashing davis the lawyer and he's getting his life together and so on all right he bathes he shaves he comes to work and he does what he has to do. And so now Sally has to interact with Dashing Dave and re- she realizes, you know, um, this guy's kind of attractive or whatever the case may be, right? And so at that point in time, she realizes that she wants more out of life than surfing and picking up socks for a grown ass man. So you want to Speak to that, Holly, as we develop the story bit by bit. Well, honestly, it sounds like a natural evolution in Sally's growing up. You know, she she got a little bit more realistic. And I hate to speak like it's it's real and true, but women come into their maturity faster than men. Mm-hmm. I think we we have this body that can create another being. And if we ever think about actually wanting to create another being, mm-hmm. we have to think about how can, are we supporting ourselves? How would we support a baby? Would I be healthy? Would somebody love me and the baby? You know, how do I support all of these things? So we have to think about the, this because we can reproduce. Men can reproduce, but they can walk away. <laughs> it's easier for men to like, create that and walk away and not have the responsibilities just because that's kind of how society has made it normal. Mm. I do know a couple of cases, however, Holly, and I'm going to challenge you of that where the woman has walked away and left the man with the kid. Absolutely. This happens. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Things are changing. It's not back in the day. Women, are, women have changed a lot. They're like, Oh, this has happened. So, I got a life to live. I, I, I got like um, clubs to go to and I really can't be bothered. And so the man has to pick up. But getting back onto the story, just circle back. So Sally starts developing feelings for um, Dashing Dave, 
But anyway, never mind. She's not <laughs> to develop the feelings for that. I mean, how could she not? Dave? Right. So <laughs> she starts developing feelings for Dashing Dave, and nothing may have happened, but I'm going to throw a curveball into the story. It happens. She gets pregnant, and she gets pregnant for Jay the Surfer. Oh, that's a complication that she was not expecting. Because that's how the universe works, you know. It doesn't work. Oh, she moves on to Dash and Dave and they ride off into the sunset. No, 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 no. Nothing neat like that ever happens. Well, not in the stories that I know in my head. Because I'm just patching together the stories that I've, I've actually seen walk through my office. She gets pregnant by Jay the Surfer. Yes. Jay's ecstatic. Oh my, we're having a baby and we don't need to worry because you're working. <laughs> we don't need to worry about the baby. You're working and the, our baby doesn't need to go to university because the only university are the waves in the sea. We're going to buy that baby a baby surfboard and that baby's going to be fine. Look at me. I'm fine. I'm happy. I eat three meals a day. Doesn't matter. Like, like this, people do say shit like that, okay? They do, especially to the people that are feeding them and going to work every day. So, so David, I just can speak up for this one. I've had two house husbands. I mean, I came to this path because, like Sally, I had to grow up into figuring the shit out. Ah, finding the comfort and overcoming codependency. You don't you don't start to work with um, toxic relationships without being the poster child first and learning how to heal it. <laughs> yeah. The story that you're talking about doesn't feel too far away from home. No. So what happens to Sally? Does Sally stay with Jay? Does Sally move on to the one who she sees having it together or you know in my experience I, I'm almost Sally, tempted to say tune in next time to hear what happens <laughs> never mind but anyway as I was saying so so she gets pregnant uh, with um Jay's baby but her feelings for Jay have left the building like Elvis okay mm -hmm. And so now that complicates matters. And Jay, at some point in time, I mean, you know, he's a little bit not too bright, but he knows that Sally is walking out the door. And that would be resentment on Jay's part because is it that guy, that, that, that suit that, uh, that you're working with, right? Is that what's happening? Because you see, Sally now wants to break up with Jay because she realizes, for want of a better word, her ass is in a bind, okay? Because mm -hmm. you're pregnant, does not go away unless you you think so. She considers, should I actually have this child or should I not yes, have this child? This is a consideration in this story. Correct. That's why I'm going to let you pick that up from there. Tell me. <laughs> and so in this situation, um, we have choice. We women have choice. Except if you're in Texas. Go ahead. That's right. Stay for a bit. You have choice. So in this situation, what is the best plan of action for you? Um, you know that you want to leave the father. Mm -hmm. Happy. You want to go find something more secure. Um, 
are you willing to bring a child into that situation knowing that you don't know what's next, knowing that there's, there may be some kind of issue with the dad coming along in the next 18 years of childhood when you have to be really interactive with, with the father? Um, do you have the baby or do you move on? Um, these are questions that we need to ask ourselves. And that's why abortion exists. We actually have choice to say if we want to have a baby or not. Okay. If it's going to serve our life. Um, so at that point, I'm hoping that Sally would be having this conversation with herself. Okay. And let's just say that Sally, because of her background and spirituality, does not support the concept of abortion. Let's just say that she doesn't. So she's going forward. In the meantime, Dashing Dave has noticed Sally and he has a bunch of things going on there. Yeah, um, she's kind of hot. She's in a relationship. We click kind of in spiritual relationships where you meet at a festival, a holistic festival, the association is organic. But I have found in the corporate world, when people get married, the relationship is transactional. And let me explain to you what I mean. There is no soulmate. And what is it in, in that animated movie? The zing between people? <laughs> no. Um, you, you know what, Bobby, that, what was it? That, um, uh, it's, about, it's a monster movie, right? It's an animated movie. Hotel Transylvania, correct. There is no zing. What there is in the corporate world is a transactional thing. So lawyer meets lawyer, there is in the back of their minds, not any zing. What's happening is like a very cold calculation mm -hmm. of the trajectory of careers, the financial, the financial benefits of a union like that. And people actually enter relationships like that. A lot of people who watch this broadcast think, no. There's usually a zing. No, sometimes there is no zing. Sometimes it's just transactional. Yeah. Like they used to do it back in the day when kings and queens used to marry off their daughters and stuff. Sometimes it's just transactional. It's like, I know this person is good for me because they're stable. I know where the trajectory of their career is going. They're probably going to end up as a politician and so on. My children are going to be secure, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's what they're thinking. No zing. Zing, secondary. Transaction, very primary. So Dave has to do a um, calculation. This chick is beneath me in, in terms of the corporate ladder, but she seems like a very loyal and nice girl, which you will not get if you do transactional shit. Okay? I need to give the audience some actual um, statistics. There. It used to be that 50% of marriages end in failure. It's now 55. It's like more than half now. So what is happening in Dave's mind is that this chick is loyal. He, could, he looks into her eyes and what he sees is a decent human being. So now Dave has to make choices about his life and where he wants it to go. Does he want to live in genuineness or does he want to live in a transactional arrangement where there's sex, um, reproduction, I'm going to say, where there's copulation, reproduction, and everything else in between. Notice I said that very clinically, because that's exactly what happens in a lot of relationships. 
And that's why passion is not part of the relationship a lot of the times because it was transactional from the start. Now for Sally, it's an upgrade. For Dave, it's speaking to a part of his soul. It's speaking to a part of his soul that he knows that he needs or else you're just an empty shell. How does Dave and Sally navigate those two sets of um, variables in their heads? The transactional and what variables? Well, for, 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 for Sally, it's an upgrade transactionally, but it may be a downgrade spiritually. Spiritually, emotionally. Correct. For Dave, it's an upgrade in terms of his spiritual and emotional self because he doesn't have one as a shell. Not mm -hmm. this Dave. This is why I, I jump off this bandwagon of association. Change his name. <laughs> <laughs> it's just where we change it for D, right? <laughs> um, it's an upgrade in terms of the um, emotional and spiritual connection, but it's a downgrade transactionally. Yeah. So how do the two of them navigate that? We're not even talking about JJ's surfing right now. Go ahead. <laughs> so they navigate by having a discussion about agreements. Mm -hmm. um, what what does? Sorry, my dog is in the room. Okay, that's what does, what does Sally need from Jay? Can Jay provide it? What mm. does Jay need from Sally? Can Sally provide it? Is she willing? Yeah, but Holly, how do you have a discussion? Hi, I need a soul. Can you provide? <laughs> becomes toxic because if she wants to is it is it like this need and desire she's going for the security mm -hmm. or does she want to live a fulfilled life like feeling full and filled up on the inside you don't get that from a transactional relationship mm -hmm. you get security you get a house you get your kids get to eat and you get to eat and you know that you get the mundane. Okay. You get the needs. So is Sally willing to settle on not having her emotional and spiritual needs met in order to have the comfort of security? Understood. See what it comes down to. Mm hmm You do an either or universe. I'm gonna throw another curveball into this equation. You see, Dave has something in his past. You see, he hasn't had much soul because his parents were lawyers, right? So he's looking at Sally and I'm like, oh my God, he, she, she makes me feel. So he's willing to accept Sally and her kid. Boom. Let's take it up from there. <laughs> so he accepts them. So this can feel really good. Mm -hmm. It can feel really good to Sally because she feels secure. And it can feel really good to him because now he has a deeper purpose than crunching the numbers and making his life work um by the schedule makes sense so he's becoming fulfilled as a man on a different level than just creating the income okay and so now there's a separation between sally and jay because jay has been surfing Jay is resentful because he's like, you left me for a suit. You're a whore. You're a charlatan. You were never spiritual in the first place. All of those things fall into play. And, and 
he, he, he will never get my kid. My kid will always love me and not him. Toxicity. Yes. And on Sally's side, it's like, you, you, you left your socks right there because emotions have left the room and resentment is present. Mm -hmm. And resentment is the death of everything, isn't it? Yes. Sure. So when you're unable to move past an experience or let go or um, forgive and not forget, you know, you still hold on to pieces of that. And if you leave the resentment unhealed within yourself, there's no moving forward with the person in any kind of healthy way because there's always going to be that underlying thing that they did or you felt jaded by mm -hmm. um, or they didn't do <laughs> that's going to hold you in this place. Um, and so what does that look like for the kid involved? The, both the parents resent each other. How do you create a relationship that's going to support the child to grow up in a healthy way? Agreed. Typically what happens is they see the relationship, they feel it, they experience it, and then the child goes on and creates the same kind of thing. Or or the exact opposite in a rebellion against my parents did this, so I'm going to be completely different. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so Jay and, um, Jay and Sally split. Jay and Dave is the new thing, and they band together, and they seem to work like a glove, okay? Right. She has the spiritual emotive and connection pieces, and he has the security and the uh, manifest and all the all the um, material pieces. And things work great for a while. But the truth of the matter is that Dave is on a corporate climb. Mm -hmm. And what's happening inside Dave is the following. This is really, really nice, but I'm on a corporate climb. Dave is never going to be Jay. Never going to BJ because <laughs> he's on this corporate climb and the higher you go inside that corporate climb the less soul you are required to have and so what happens is that Sally realizes that this is a this is now a pull between Dave's job mm -hmm. and her and the kid because the higher he goes, the more soulless he has to become. The more soulless he, he becomes, the more she's going to miss. Guess who? Jay. Because Jay was one with the elements, right? And this is the messiness that happens. So no, now. I just want to say here, she's not really missing Jay. She's missing the idea mm -hmm. that Jay offered. Correct. But in her mind, the reference point is Jay. Yes. Mm -hmm. So when Jay has his little um, kids' visits, that's if he shows up, free-spirited as he is, right? And he takes the kid, and he's clearly the more fun person to be with because there is no responsibility. There are no deadlines. You don't need to be at a certain place at a certain time. We're going to the beach, and we're going to surf. And so the kid loves Jay, ironically enough, and the mother sees the love between the kid and Jay and the love that she once had, the kind of fulfillment connection piece that she once had, the idea, as you put it. And that becomes messy. Do you see why? I can see why, yes. 
she's longing for the emotion. Jay has it. And if Jay has any kind of attraction left, then Mommy and Jay are are going to make a problem for Mommy and and uh, David. Dave. <laughs> right. So this is basically how that works in terms of the messiness that happens in relationships. And so resentment builds on the Dave and Sally aspect. And resentment builds, has built on the um, Jay and Sally, but now they've moved, she's moved past it because she's missing a part of herself. There's, she's missing a part of herself, the connection piece. Because as I said, Dave is on his way to the top and on the way to the top, you leave a few things behind, like, I don't know, emotions and connections and all of those things, because you have to operate in a certain way to get to where you're going, correct? So. I'm intimacy gone. Yes. So now you have a problem, and Jay has a problem as well. The problem that Jay has is that if Sally comes back in his direction, that's going to be codependency central on her part again. Jay may have moved. Jay may now have moved into, I don't know, some sort of um, surfing cult where he gets to have six wives. Who knows, right? But Sally's looking for connection. Mm-hmm. And if Sally's looking for connection, then she's, co- she's going to be codependent on Jay, even, even if it's in a friendship type situation. Meanwhile, Dave, who is working assiduously and in his mind, he believes he's doing it for his family. So the first million dollars is not going to be enough. We must conquer the world. We must get elected. We must be president of whatever country um, he's in. And so he, in his mind, he's thinking that this is the case. And she's so ungrateful. And there lies the problems. Do you see? This is the messiness that we want to talk about. So the first thing I want to I want to ask you now that we've built out the story and everything is in a total shambles and mess on every front. The first thing I want to talk to you about is the spirituality and connection aspect. For people who have been who will be watching this broadcast, a lot, there are a lot of women specifically, and I say women specifically because that's the complaint that I get from the majority, right, of people who I've ever counseled or coached. It's coming from women that I don't have connection. I don't have touch. I don't have those kinds of things in my life. I don't hear that very often from men, but I hear from women quite a lot. And so I'm going to let you speak to that. So I guess the part to speak to is, is as this story panned out, the disconnect happened. And it wasn't between... Sally and Jay and Sally and David or Dave, it was between Sally and herself. Mm -hmm. So Sally compromised her wants, needs, desires, boundaries in order to have something she thought that was going to make her feel safe. With Jay, she compromised her security. It was another type of compromise in order to have somebody be there security she's looking for is outside of herself Mm -hmm. and so the disconnect and the depth and the connection that sally's truly craving is within herself and we are you know in in the toxicity and the codependency 
we're always seeking it from somewhere outside to make us feel that safety and security and connection and orgasm. We, we want to find it from someone else. Okay. All right. And so my next um, question in terms of the spiritual connection, the spirituality aspect of it, because one of the attractions to Jay was that he was connected not just to Sally, but connected to people, to everybody around him, right? Friendly guy, Jay, he surfs. I mean, he has a man bun, right? All power emanates from the man bun, okay? And so connectedness within ourselves, she was looking for connectedness and she was looking for him as a conduit to connection. And this is where the codependency happens. I find that a lot of people, um, then there are a lot of women who are bitter. They are. I'm going to be very honest with you. There are a lot of women who are bitter and resentful. And that, that, that goes across the spectrum, okay? There are women that you can see it in their faces as soon as you actually meet them. You can see it in their faces. And part of the, part of the reason for this is that there are a lot of soulless men out there. They are. I'm going to say that. So the sexes affect each other bisymmetrically so you would have a man as an example who doesn't understand the concept of connection they're into the sex Mm -hmm. i need to find somebody to sleep with okay and i really want to get into this um construct with regard to sexuality and so on because they're not looking at sexuality as a kind of connection to anyone what they're looking for the sexuality for is a release yeah and women don't necessarily, their configuration, more, I wouldn't say that all women are like that because there are some women that are completely mercenary when it comes to sexuality. Correct? It's kind of like what you're speaking to a little bit is the difference in blueprints, kind of. So as a blueprint coach, uh-huh. what I'm hearing when you speak about women who are mercenary, they want that orgasm. And they want it now. Penetration, they want the orgasm, and they want to be back on their way to doing whatever the fuck they want to do that day. <laughs> so that may not be mercenary it's just like this is what's important this is what sex means to me and that's what i need in order to to go on about my day um <laughs> so we're talking about the blueprints and uh there are five of them i'm gonna let you just briefly describe them and then we're gonna get into that okay so one of the things that i've studied and david told you that i'm a certified erotic blueprint coach um the Blueprints are the way I like to describe them because it's easy this way. Most people have heard of the love languages. The five erotic blueprints are basically love languages for sex. Um, So there's different ways that we communicate with each other and um, sexually, and we receive our pleasure in different ways. So the five erotic blueprints are energetic, sensual, sexual, kinky, and then shapeshifter. You can, and everybody has a spectrum of where we fall. And some of it is just like, one person may just be sexual or just speaking about. They, they need the penetration, they need the sex. A lot of times that is projected um, as for men because it's normal. It's what's taught in our society is normal. You go, you have penetration, you have your orgasm, you move on. Maybe take a nap. You know? 
So I'll speak as somebody who's highly sexual. Sometimes that is all I want. I don't want you to talk to me. I don't want the extra stuff. Like, I need the orgasm. But you and don't want to cuddle after? What I the hell is that, Holly? Get off of me. It's hot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. So, ladies, if you feel this way, I just want to say it's not wrong. It's maybe just how you're wired into your sexuality. And it is what, what David is saying is true. It's typically men are this way with the sexuality, or at least we can accept it more when men are this way. <laughs> okay. And so women seem mercenary. Like, yeah, I just really all I want is your cock. And that's all. Okay. And so, uh, and so there's the energetic who is like um, problematic to a lot of people. Because yes. they're very iffy. Go ahead, tell me about that. <laughs> they're very iffy. It's it's basically they're very aware. They're very aware of everything going on in the world around them, in your world, in your body, in their body. And sometimes they don't know what to do with that level of awareness of what's going on. So they have a hard time connecting for copulation. So energetic simply means like. Um, you feel the energy first mm -hmm. to feel safe with someone become um, too close and too close. Maybe like across the room. If you make the googly eyes at me there, fine. You take three steps forward. I'm done. I don't feel safe anymore. Back up buddy. Like I, I have felt this before because the energy can be too penetrating too energetic. And so if you move too close, too fast, or touch too fast or too deep for an energetic, it can be really triggering. So a lot of times we don't know what to do with an energetic because that's different. It's different than anything that's taught. Energetics also, they can have sex from across the room. Yes, and, and I find that a lot of spiritual people yeah. fall into this category, okay? Mm -hmm because they train their, themselves into a corner to be that way. Oh, it's all about the energy. It's all about the energy up until the time that you can't actually have sex. Yeah. Because up everything... Until the time if it's a man, you can't get your dick hard because right. there's too much going on and you don't know what to do with it. Or the woman came had, and showed too much attraction and she's too sexual, so now you have to perform and oh... Uh, like your system is going insane and your dick doesn't get hard. So these are different ways energetics show up in the world. Okay, and then there is the sensual and the sensual is also quite problematic. <laughs> like it, I think out of all of the blueprints, the, the sensual has got to be the most annoying and problematic profile that there is. Please, let's speak about that. Okay, so sensual love to entice the senses. And so they like the smells to be nice in the room, the room to be clean first. So mm -hmm. if Sally's a sensual, she's not happy to go home and have sex with those socks on the floor. Mm. Um, the sensual loves like the lighting to be perfect, maybe some good mu mood music. Let me say, there's music for each blueprint. So there's do, different do, ways. Do you see? Music. Do you see why 
they're not a lot of sensuals having a lot of sex. But there are. <laughs> there are? Well, I mean, when when a sensual does have sex, it is it's really deep. Like it, okay, so any of them and when they have sex, it's really deep. So but sensuals are all about like the touch, the sensation. Um this blanket. It feels so nice. Essential. Yeah, I'm sitting here with a blanket on my lap. <laughs> yes. Okay, go ahead. Defeating my sensual as we're having this conversation. Okay, I hear you. So the reason why I say that they might be problematic is that it requires effort on the other person's part. It requires patience and effort. And a lot of people don't have that in today's world, which is fast track. I and so uh we've done the sexual, the energetic, the um the shapeshifter. Um, shapeshifter is a combination. So before shapeshifter, we'll talk about kinky. Mm -hmm. And kinky just simply means that you're turned on by anything that is um, taboo to you. So kinky can be the S&M stuff that we all think about when we hear kink. And it could also be voyeurism, um, loving the feet. There's like fetishes. And kink is just whatever thing you think is taboo and not okay mm -hmm. but you love that that's the definition of kinky what's taboo to you so kinky is can be vanilla sex which missionary um normal sex can be kinky to somebody who all the time is throwing whips and chains around and getting handcuffs handcuffed and and then they've never just had vanilla sex, and that seems like off limits because it's so intimate. Excellent. So someone's kink. Um, and the shapeshifter is just a combination of all of them. So uh, you may one day be completely energetic, but then in, in the midst of having a turn on, then your sensual kicks in and you realize like, oh, the socks on the floor are not making me happy. I'm going to have to go pick those up before I can have this orgasm that's so close. Oh my gosh, the socks. You know, you get distracted by things and that's because there's shadows of the blueprints. <laughs> okay. All right. So assuming that um, this is happening, I think people train themselves into, the, into these different profiles as well. In the example that we were working with earlier on, when Sally was with Jay, she's more predisposed to fall into a particular kind of blueprint as opposed to if she was working, if she was um, together with Dave. And the reason why I say that is because Dave doesn't have time to be preparing any room, spraying things down, lighting the incense, right? So that the sandalwood is permeating the room and so on. But Jay would. Yes. Right? He, he most likely... So in this scenario, I can see Sally being an energetic mm -hmm. with Jay mm -hmm. and then a sexual because she's trying to fulfill the needs of the man who's not there very often and mm -hmm. also her own physical need. By the time he has attention to give to her, she just needs the orgasm. So she shifts into a sexual for this relationship, mm -hmm. but she's longing for this other piece of her. Um, and this, this kind of an energetic can shift into all of them just to meet the needs of the partner. And it's not maybe anything to do with the blueprints. It's that codependency piece. Like I have to be what this other person wants 
in order for them to choose me. And Makes so we sense. give what's important to us. Or we, we stay sexually unsatisfied. So the sex is one piece of the lack of satisfaction. But then there's also the depth and intimacy. Like this Which, person doesn't look at my face. Okay, this is the deep surgical question time. Okay. Deep surgical question number one. Holly, how important in terms of a percentage do you think good sex or sexuality or frequent sex is to a relationship in terms of percentage zero being it's not important at all and 100 percent being absolutely important so it's not an easy question to answer hmm. because it depends on the people for me because of what i've learned about sexuality and healing and mm -hmm. what i feel in my own body what i need and um I would say 95%. Okay. If the sexuality and sex is not working well, then I'm going to be like, there's a huge problem in my relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might die. I think it might die. <laughs> <laughs> Deep surgical question number two. How important? Well, let, me, let me see the other piece of this one. Go ahead. Um, there are asexuals, and they have relationships based on you know the transactional thing or maybe just an emotional connection and sex actually means nothing to their relationship so they can succeed with no sex ever so that's what it's it's kind of there's a spectrum of the important level of importance but if you want a true connected and fulfilled relationship um i would say sex is is 75 to 80 percent of it being able to connect in intimate ways whatever sex means to you and that may not be the penetration it may be the energetics of it okay cool how important is connection in terms of um the relationship in terms of a relationship in terms of a percentage scale in terms of the relationship continuing and thriving 100 percent. okay um <laughs> You heard it first, guys. If you don't have connection with your partner or you've lost connection with your partner, then I suggest that you absolutely concentrate on regaining that connection or exiting stage left. I'll be very blunt. A lot of um, coaches are going to beat around the bush. There are sometimes you have to cut your losses and quit. Okay? So um, the third surgical question, um, I suppose that I have to... When the bitterness that we see from women and the misogyny that we see from men who have been in uh, multiple relationships that haven't worked out, would you say it is the result of misinterpretation of the individual, lack of communication? W what exactly happens that makes um, women bitter? Um, or, you know, you've heard all men are dogs. I hate all men. Um, and whenever I hear that, I have to burst out laughing. You mean you hit all men because your your, your dad, your brother, your well, oftentimes that's where it starts. <laughs> your dad, <laughs> point one second, right? Your dad, your brother. How about your son? You hit him too, right? These are the kinds of things that I usually retort. Real for women, when when they realize, mm -hmm. like when they wake up one day and realize, like that the way that they hate men. Now they're starting to see their son this way and they realize they live in the house with 
their sons and they resent them, they hate them, also they love them and they want them to succeed, but they can't get past the resentment. So they start to treat their sons as if they would any other man. Mm-hmm. And so that becomes real um, for moms. And a lot of times I've, I've seen, this is when the moms are willing to like really look at that pattern. It's like, where does this stem from? You know, How do I do because I hate my son right now. Yeah, correct. And, you know, I, I find this a very interesting phenomenon. And I'll tell you why that is, because, Holly, that retreat that we met at, there was a individual there who was, ironically speaking, a sex coach. You remember her. I do. Like, and um, she really hated men. Like, how are you a relationship coach and you hate men? How does that work? Right? And you remember my surprise when I asked the question, because... You told me, you told me, I wasn't, yes, it was you, because you keep out of like, you told me she was a sex coach. I'm like, what, she's a sex coach? And she overheard her. She says, like, yes, I'm a sex coach. I'm like, but how? Because. Well, I'll tell you how she can be successful with that, working with the women who love to keep their traumas and be validated in their hatred. So Correct. I'm sure she has success, because a lot of times women aren't willing to look Mm-hmm. at their place in in the resentment what they're holding they want to keep it and so they seek out validation from healers or coaches therapists who will validate their feeling mm-hmm. and they keep therapists hopping from one therapist to another to, to, to another and they, and they always say the usual things oh i'm working on myself mm-hmm. i i hate oh my god i just said it and it hurt it hurt me to say it <laughs> like what does that mean you're working on yourself what does that mean you know i'm I, i'm i'm doing my work okay i every time i hear someone say this to me i'm like get specific what exactly are you working on i actually say that to people what exactly are you working on but i want to talk to the misogynistic men out there there are a lot of men who say who we'll say if women are gold diggers, women are uh, any number of things. If you meet a woman that is a gold digger, it's uh, this transactional. She wants money, and I assume that you want sex, or you might want more, or you might end up thinking, oh, I'll get some of the sex, but then you realize, oh, there's a human being under there, and then you fall in love, except the woman isn't catching feelings like you are. And it makes you better, and then you find yourself on the internet saying a bunch of shit like, we are men, we are strong, we need to control women. And then it's like, you look stupid. You look really stupid, right? We had, um, we had a number of, of um, guys being exposed this year that were on the in- internet, right? For teaching men how to be more men, but it's usually a bunch of toxic stuff about how to damage women, denigrate women and stuff like that. And I just want to speak to the men that are going down this road. Everybody in creation... If you're growing up in the Western world specifically, you're going to go through the school of hard knocks in terms of relationships, right? You have to decide um, how you're going to come out of that. Holly has had hard knocks in, in, in terms of relationships. I've had hard knocks in terms of relationships. Everybody who, has, who is probably listening to this broadcast has had hard knocks. Do you really want to become a bitter pinster in the, in the house with your, 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 your million and one cats? Okay. 
right with your million and one cats and i'm sorry there is something to be said for that because all you are doing is becoming bitter you you know this these 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 older bitter women that are full of full of um filled with piss and vinegar and then you have these old men who are even more pathetic or she ain't worth anything right all women are w-h-o-r-e-s okay they're not any good and stuff like that okay that is not that is a generalization first of all and what it does it sets into your mind emotion that leads to failure and what it does to you spiritually is that it it, it hollows you out inside it does you are not in any kind of spiritual congruence when it is that you are dissing god's creation like that you're just not and so a lot of women and a lot of men they end up in this cycle of self-destruction over and over again where they say oh you know i've been in a relationship and this man treated me badly and all men are dogs and okay so you mean all men and if all men are dogs and you are heterosexual what does that say to you and it, this is the kind of things and there are some people that um change their sexual preferences and they realize oh shit, all women are dogs too it might just be a human thing because women will treat you badly too if you decide to get into a relationship with a woman there is no escaping it's a human thing and you need to work your shit out and understand and be be discerning and be be discerning and know your boundaries and set them and move on but to destroy yourself in bitterness or misogyny makes no sense to me holly i'm gonna let you have the last word here we've reached our time i also want you to let the audience know where to get in touch with you because well this is the coach that you guys want to go to because she's been to the school of hard knocks she knows where you're coming from she has a lot of these experiences not only in terms of uh, her experience as a clinician, but she's also life smart. And I know she's life smart. I can pretty much vouch. This lady has been to war, literally been to war. So that makes you life smart on a whole different level. Holly, go ahead. You have the last word. Thank you, David. So what I would like to say about all of this, this toxicity conversation, the boundaries, the codependency, and creating relationships that will get you closer to that fantastical idea of the thing that lasts forever. The number one thing that I suggest to people is to um, deepen your communication skills. Communication between partners is like the number one thing that will make or break you. If you're not talking about the things that are up, if you're not talking about the agreements, the things that you need um, or desire in a relationship or when a problem arises, um, or a change needs to happen, if you're not able to effectively communicate with your partner, there's no partnership. You really imagine being at the law firm and you can't talk to your partner at the law firm, that law firm's gonna tank. It's not gonna work out. You're not gonna be able to win the lawsuits because you can't communicate what's going on. So the communication and the effort that you put into your work and with people at work and the attention that you give your relationship and the communication there is going to make or break it. And so that's like a number one thing that I work on with my clients is how are you communicating? How are you communicating with yourself, with your children, with your partner? 
how are you creating this household? Because communication is the key to that connection building. Um, yeah, so that's, I would say, the most important thing to focus on, even in sexuality. How do you, if you can't communicate that you want the trash taken out and have it effectively um, executed by someone else because they understand why it needs to happen or what to do to make it happen, then how are you going to explain somebody your body and how to bring you to orgasm, you know, and pleasure and, and fulfill you in this way? So, um, yeah, find someone or the books. Oh, one book I want to recommend, there's a book, like if you're hearing codependency, it's this new term you want to like explore deeper. Um, there's a book called Attached. Um, I'm not sure of the, the name of the author at the moment, but this book can really explain even more deeply and go into different attachment styles of um, codependency and how we attach to others. So, um, yeah. And if you want to find me, uh, start a conversation about working with me, then please email me at shamelessexplorations at gmail.com. Excellent. Listen, Holly, I would like to have you back because we still have a discussion to have about sexuality and the different blueprints and how they apply. There's a lot of people who are in the spiritual spectrum who this can help quite a bit because they don't understand why their sexual relationships aren't working. So I would like to have you back. That's a formal invitation on air. So apart from that, thank you so much for being here, Holly. And let's call it a wrap for now. Thank you, David. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening and subscribing to our podcast. Universal Citizen Media is an open-door network of professionals bringing relevant content to inspired people. We exist for the promotion of wellness for the betterment of society, and we are a free and independent media group with zero affiliations to any political or religious agendas. If you want to know more, please join us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or in our private online community at community.universalcitizentv.com.